Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. It would be so nice if when we became believers, you know, some switch just went off in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts, in our eyes and our ears and our hands and everywhere where we said, oh, it's, it's, it's so good, I'm a believer now, I no longer am interested in anything like this, any of these old sins, these old ways of life, now all I'm interested in is Jesus and his calling and I just, I just love and am devoted and all my thought life and all my spare time and all my life is simply devoted to the things of Christ. Now, wouldn't that be cool? I don't know if cool is a theological term, but I, I think it would be cool. I think it would be great. Then we would not have this struggle as we see in the words of Jesus to the disciples, the spirit is willing, but oh, the flesh is weak. Some days our flesh is really weak, isn't it? Some days the spirit and the flesh seem to be in tune and we can keep it together and we can keep focus. And, and, and when I say days, it might be weeks, it might be months. And then there are times where we just, the flesh is just so weak. We, we're just pitiful. But God loves us nonetheless. He expects more than pitifulness out of us. But he is there even when we are pitiful. So if you were able, would you stand with me? As we go to Matthew chapter 26. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, come upon us, we pray, that the Holy Spirit would send and open our eyes and hearts, that we would see your word, that we would understand your word, that it would fill us, that our lives would be devoted to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to start in verse 36 of chapter 26. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. Now, it really shouldn't surprise us if we've read in other places that Peter and James and John have fallen asleep. They were at the Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, and they fell asleep there as well. Um, ugh, how would you like to be known as the guys who couldn't stay awake for a little bit of time when Jesus asked you? Okay, he was going to wrestle with the great things of salvation. He was about to give his life as atonement for our sin, that the weight of all sin would rest upon him, that he would face the beatings and the scourgings and, and, and death on, on the cross and, and the weight of sin. And we couldn't even stay awake to be there with him. 
Uh, how would you like a group of elders who would come and sit on the front row and couldn't stay awake during the sermons? Okay? Uh, no, we wouldn't like that. Okay? Mm, we wouldn't like that. <laughs> they may have to go get somebody that they could stay awake during the sermons for. And so Jesus says to him, what, you couldn't watch, you couldn't, you couldn't stay awake with me just for an hour. Could you not be mentally alert for me? Could you not join with me in this spiritual struggle? And the answer was, no, they couldn't. They couldn't. Because there is a battle that rages within each believer, and it is the battle of the spirit and the battle of the flesh. So let's just go back and, and, and review this little section here. For a moment, first Jesus arrives at Gethsemane, the burden, the impending burden of, of his death as one who will atone for our sins, his weighs upon him. He asks his inner circle of friends to come with him a little bit further on. He said, will you stay awake? Will you be here with me? Will you pray? And, and he comes back and they're sleeping and he kind of uh, uh, unloads in a Jesus way on them. What, you couldn't, you couldn't watch with me? You couldn't stay awake and, and pray with me? And then he goes off and comes back and goes off and, and they're sleeping. Okay? They're sleeping. Now, they've had a tough week. Not as tough as Jesus' week. Okay? And not really tough to what lay ahead. Now, remember they said, what, like Peter said, I'm going to go, I'm going to die with you. Okay? I am not going to turn away from you. And then he couldn't even stay awake when Jesus asked him. And we know what happened to Peter a little bit later. Jesus really highlights, I think, here, the weakness of the disciples. And that's going to translate into understanding our weakness as well. Uh, I mean, these were the guys who spent three years with Jesus. They had seen everything. They knew his power. They had watched him feed the thousands. They would watched him heal people. They saw Lazarus come out of the tomb, and they were just weak. Now, part of this is their flesh was weak. They were tired, and um, <clears throat> I, I certainly can can empathize at times uh, that great uh, stretch of uh, one, 1 to one thirty right after lunch. If anybody can, can sympathize with me, you go out and you have lunch, you come back uh, and, and work, uh, and, and if you call, Lisa doesn't forward those calls in at one one twenty because, uh, you know, I'm just overcome. I mean, I can remember being in school and, and, and at lectures and, and watching intently, and, and you look at your notes, and all of a sudden your notes are nothing but scribbles and lines because you don't know what happened. You, you fell asleep somewhere. Perhaps that is what happened. The flesh was weak. And this is a battle that rages within each of us. And not just to stay awake, but the battle to do what the Spirit calls us to do or to do what the flesh calls us to do. That's what we're facing here. Now, in the New Testament, we find really two words that are translated in English for flesh. Soma and sarts. Soma and sarts. Soma is used exclusively to refer to this physical body. Okay, uh, and, and sometimes like you can get psychosomatic, you, combining uh, body and mind there. Uh, and usually the, the Greek word soma has no connotation to anything else um, but the flesh. No connotation to sinfulness or fallenness. That meaning is left exclusively for sarts. But it is not used always for fallenness. Sometimes it is used for strictly for the flesh. Uh, remember John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became sarts. It became physical. So it's used physically there. Jesus was the word incarnate. But it is also used to describe 
the fleshy nature, okay? Um, the, the nature that is fallen, the nature that is sinful, and that's how the word is used really here. Your nature is fallen, it's sinful. What can I do about this nature? Well, you can get a new heart, you can get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but that does not wipe away our tendency, our proclivity, sometimes even our love of sinning. Because our fallen nature has an effect on our physical bodies and on our minds. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, uh, Paul says we have a fleshy mind, a fleshy mind. So we think upon things that the Spirit would not have us think upon. Uh, sometimes we say things the Spirit would not have us say. We act in ways the Spirit would not have us say. Uh, in fact, let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll get a pretty good understanding of this battle in Galatians chapter 5. Here Paul talks about this uh, ongoing battle. And he even gives us a list. These things are the flesh. These things are the spirit. Okay? When in doubt, we want to pursue the things of the spirit. But there's, there's that flesh. It's got a hold of us. It's, it's, it's sinful nature. It just doesn't let us go. Um, yes, we've been changed. Yes, we are believers. In Sunday school, we talked about the church at Corinth. It was a letter to the saints at Corinth. And the church at Corinth was pretty well messed up. And they were far from perfect, yet Paul calls them saints. Those sanctified, set apart for the work of the Lord. So Galatians chapter 5, go, go to uh, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Oh, that solves it. We can go home now, right? You just walk by the Spirit, and you won't be tempted, right? Ugh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, from which I forewarn you. Now, we would all say that, that there are certain sins that are big, and certain sins that are plain, and certain sins that, well... They just become part of our life. We don't even notice that they're sins anymore. But yet, sin is sin with God, isn't it? Does he really say? Uh, I mean, Jesus said what? Lusting in your heart and adultery. If you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. Okay. If you harbored anger against your, your brother, you have committed murder. It's the same thing. Uh, now, we would say and we talked about this in Sunday school, our brother would rather we harbor anger against him than kill him. Okay, uh, well, I think that's true. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's true. But we understand that as far as God's concerned, sin is sin. And every sin demands an eternal damnation of its own. Well, just think of that. Reluctantly, we agreed in Sunday school that speeding was a sin. How many of us if, if there was not grace, how many of us are not going to heaven because of our actions this morning on the way to church? Okay? As I am. Okay. I'm <laughs> oh, sin is sin. That's just the way the Lord lays it out for us. 
This is not a contest between body and soul. This is a contest between the old man and the new man. The old man that was tied to sin, was bound by the chains of sin, and the new man that has been freed by the, from the chains of sin, but yet enough sin remains in our life that it is a hanger honor. Okay. The spirit wills what the flesh abhors. The spirit wills righteousness. It seeks the fruit of the spirit. But the flesh longs for that, those things in the first portion of the list. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. That's what the flesh desires. It's not what the spirit desires. There's a conflict here. Will I live a holy life controlled by the spirit and long for the things of the spirit? What are the things of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit. Now remember, the fruit of the spirit is singular. So every believer has all of these things listed here. Now, we get down to patience. You can't say, well, God didn't give me patience. Okay? Yes, he did. If you're a believer, you have everything on this list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things of the Spirit. Do we long for the things of the flesh, the first part of the list? Or do we long for the things of the Spirit? Do we evidence in our lives the first part of the list, the things of the flesh? Or do we evidence in our lives the second part, the things of the Spirit? Now, if I'm controlled by the Spirit, I have to remember that righteousness does not consist mainly of right actions. Righteousness does not consist mainly of right actions. Yes, it is manifest in right actions, but if all I do is go around and do right actions, I'm the same as what New Testament group? The Pharisees. I look good on the outside. I'm a whitewashed tomb. Man, you go up to those tombs and they gleam white. But what's inside of them? Death. My heart is not right. My actions aren't going to get me anywhere. If my heart is right, they will, it will come out in the actions. It will come out in righteous actions. Okay, the kingdom involves more than eating and drinking or not eating and drinking certain things. If our focus is only on externals, we're nothing but Pharisees. You know, the Pharisee, I pray twice a week, I tithe more than anybody else. My actions are impeccable. No, that's not right. A beautiful smile can hide a terrible heart. At the same time, we can't fool ourselves into thinking that all that matters is my attitude. All that matters is my inward heart. My heart is right and my, 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 my thoughts are right and, and God has changed me. And so it really doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I evidence obedience. That's crazy as well. If your heart is right, if you've really been changed, you will manifest those things in your life. But yet for the saint, yet for the one who strives for holiness, there is always this struggle between the flesh and the and the spirit. Okay, you can't just say I'm committed to this person and, and I, I love them and my heart tells me it's right. I know I'm married to this person, but I, I, in my heart I'm committed to this person. That, that's called adultery. Okay? You can't justify that because your, your heart tells you to do that. Scripture is very clear. You cannot do that. You say, well, God would not want me to be unhappy. What God wants for you is to be holy. 
What God wants for you is to be committed to him. And in that holiness, in that pursuit of the things of God, in the pursuit of the things of Christ, in the living out of those things, you will find contentment. You will find happiness. You will find peace. But so much of it has to be the death of self first. Okay? You can put aside yourself and long for the things of Christ. We will know this happiness and contentment. We have to say the physical side of our lives is often difficult to tame. It's not constant. You know, it, sometimes it comes in waves. Sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night and Judy finds me standing in front of the refrigerator. You know, it's open. And she says, well, what are you after? I said, I don't know, but it's got to be chocolate, you know. Or, or I'm rooting through the pantry looking for scraps. Or should I open, you know, there's a bag of chocolate chips. Maybe I should just eat a handful of those or something. You know, and, and other nights I'm fine. But it comes in, in waves, you know. Sometimes we're, we're simply so weak and I'm just overtaken. I couldn't help it. <laughs> it's easy to resolve after you have eaten the pot roast that tomorrow you will go on a diet. Right? Oh, tomorrow's diet time. Hmm? But at three in the afternoon, when it's cooking and the house smells like pot roast and carrots and potatoes and onions, that's when it's hard to say, I'm going to start my diet tonight. Okay? Ooh, yeah. Hmm? <laughs> See, the Spirit seeks to teach us self control and to keep our desires in check. I mean, it's not a sin to eat. But it's a sin to what? Eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. That's the sin. Sexual desire is not a sin, but it's a sin if it's exercised outside the bonds of marriage. That's what the Lord says. Our whole bodies are to be governed by the Lord, by the Word of God, not by our desires, not by the desires of our old self, but by the Spirit-led new self. Sin is natural. It's what we desire. It's what we like. We are inclined to those actions in our fallen state. And frankly, our culture doesn't help us much, does it? Jeez. You want to see an advertisement? Almost the universal thing in advertisements involves sin. Okay? Because it feels good. It tempts us. It draws us in. I mean, the flesh is an ally with the world. It seeks justification, not from the righteousness of Christ, but from the standards of the world. The flesh is allied with the world. The world is allied with Satan. The spirit is the believer's ally. The spirit is the ally of the new creation in Christ. So to illustrate this a little bit more, let's go to Romans chapter 7. And we're going to look very briefly at, outside of Christ, the best Christian in the first century. Okay. Now, he had al- he's already understood that all those works that he did, being a Pharisee, adhering to the law, it's all dung. That's what he says. It's all dung. I cast it all off. It has no value. The only thing that's value to me to live is Christ to die is gain. Okay, that's, that's Paul that we're talking about. But he is so weighed down by the fact that he can't get it right all the time. Here is, is uh, we would describe him as Joe Christian. He's the man. But he says, but who can free me from this body of death, he says. And the body of death is his problem. It says, Scripture says I should do this. Well, why do I go and do this? Scripture says don't do this. Why do I go and do that? 
And so this is his struggle. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am a flesh, sold into bondage for sin. For that which I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Oh boy, isn't that the truth? (laughs) For the good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. But if I'm doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me and the one who wishes to do good. Now, you have to read that slowly, okay, because he goes back and forth so much. And, and, but the gist is, Paul says, why do I do the things I, not, I know I'm not supposed to do? And, and look at this carefully. This is not the old Paul. This is written in the present tense. Paul is struggling with this right now as he writes to the Romans. Okay? For I do the very thing I do not wish to do. This is not Paul who is sanctified and reached the pinnacle of Christianity saying, now, now my past life, I used to do this. He's saying, no, I struggle with this right now. So we can take from this very clearly, mature believers will struggle with sin. We will struggle with sin. Now the Lord may come down and remove in, 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 a, in a miraculous action of the Holy Spirit from you, a desire for a particular sin. I have friends who've been addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, who, who I've seen, the Lord has completely removed that from their lives. Boom. I have others who struggle with it their entire life. Okay? So he is speaking in the present tense. This is what I struggle with right now. Secondly, we see, look at verse 14. For I know that the law is spiritual. Paul has a high view of the law. He hasn't pitched out the law. He, he doesn't say, hey, I've been saved by Christ. I don't have to worry about this stuff. He says the law is spiritual. He has come to view the law like God views the law. And then thirdly, in verse uh, 22, for I joyfully concur with the law of God. Okay? He doesn't say I grudgingly. He says I joyfully concur with the law of God. And then in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. Paul talks about the struggle here. He says, my mind, I want to serve the law of God. I want to do this, but yet my flesh is weak. He is weak. So Paul is telling us, he says, first, You know, my actions just aren't in accord with my new heart. The Lord has done this wonderful work in me, and I just can't seem to live it out in the way that my heart tells me to, the way that I know God wants me to act. Why can't I live that way? We've been raised to this newness of life. I know what the Lord wants. Why don't I do it? Why don't I do it? It doesn't seem to make sense. That's what Paul is wrestling with here. Then he says... He says, my sinful deeds are out, not only out of, out of accord with what the Lord wants, 
They're out of accord with what my heart wants because my heart has been changed. And I know the Lord wants this, and this is my desire to do. He has a desire to do what is right. But he's showing you again in an experiential way that he has this sinful nature. And it is a struggle. It is, you know, it is a weight upon him wrapped around his leg. He always has to carry this sinful nature around. That's why he wants release from this body of death here at, at the end of the uh, uh, verse uh, 24. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? He says, I want to be free from this. Not only do I not want to live this way, not only do I want the things of Christ, I want to be rid of sin. I want sin to be gone from me so that I can live all things for Christ. So Paul says the law is good. The law is not the problem. What's the problem? Randy's the problem. Randy's heart is the problem. The battle that rages within me. Do I obey God? Do I do what I want to do? That's the problem. God's law is good. I am the problem. Paul says every believer is a new creature in Christ. You've been changed. Completely changed. But yet there's enough sin that remains within us that there is this struggle. There is this struggle. The presence of the new man does not mean we will be free from sin. We will know what sin is. We will attempt to get rid of it. Hopefully we will move away from it. But yet it will continue to call our names. Augustine, in his work on the Confessions, entitled The Confessions, said, Lord, the good in me you wrought. The rest is my fault. The good in me you wrought. The rest is my fault. Paul says, I just don't want to be good. I want to be rid of sin. I want to be rid of sin. Verse 19. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. There are two types of sin listed here in this inference. Omission and commission. Omission and commission. I don't do the things God tells me to do. I do do the things that God tells me not to do. And so both my not doing what he tells me to do, and my doing what he tells me not to do is sin. In all these things, Paul says, I'm just miserable. <laughs> I'm just miserable. Yes, and, and we, we can see the struggle. He wants to be holy, but he just can't quite get there. He knows the Spirit enables him, but he just hangs on to the flesh. Well, if the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, as Jesus said to the disciples, what do we do about it? How to strengthen the flesh so it's more like the spirit? Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. And we say, oh, well, the answer is always Jesus, right? You get a kid's sermon, you ask a question, uh, what's white and fluffy? and is in the sky, and the, and the kid goes, well, it, it sounds like a cloud, but I know the answer has to be Jesus, right? <laughs> so when we turn to Jesus, can we say, is that realistic? Yes. What did he do? 
I know he was the Son of God, but when he was weak, he went to whom? He went to his father, and he prayed. He went apart and spent time with his father. We would say, if, if you want to strengthen the flesh, if you want to have more of the Spirit and, and fulfill more of the desires of the Holy Spirit, then you need to make use of what we call the means of grace. You say, Randy, you come to my office, you sit down and say, Randy, I'm just having a terrible time. I mean, the flesh is winning. What do I need to do? I'm going to ask you, do you pray? Do you read the Word? Do you fellowship with other believers? Do you worship? Are you making use of the means of grace? Are you participating in the sacraments? Okay, that, That's the question. If you go, well, no, I haven't prayed in a long time. Um, now there's dust on my Bible. Um, now I stopped going to church a while back. Maybe that's the problem. Okay, That is how you are strengthened. You want stronger muscles? You put them to work. You lift weights. You run. You do all those things. You want stronger spirit? less flesh you work the things of the spirit when you're tempted what did jesus do when he was tempted by satan his response came right from the word okay when you're tempted you go to the word know your areas of temptation stay away from them don't just walk a little bit further away from them when you see your area of temptation go the other way i know that i'm weak in this area I know that, oh, this diet is killing me, but, but I've got to have it. And, and, and because, uh, you know, I, my body needs to be strengthened and all these things, then don't sit in the house and smell pot roast all day. Okay? Avoid temptation. Avoid sin. Paul, Mr. Christian of the first century, says, I'm struggling with it. You cannot expect not to struggle with it, but you can overcome it if we do the things in God's word. Pray. Seek him. Fellowship, worship. Let's pray. Lord, we, we all know this. None of us here are perfect. None of us comes to worship and comes into your presence saying, uh, Lord, you've done such a great job with me. I'm, I'm just the, the greatest thing in the world, spiritually speaking. We all come here with our baggage. We all come here with our weaknesses and our foibles and our fickleness. The times where we know you expected way more of us and we simply have not delivered. And Lord, perhaps today we're, we're hit with this for the first time that, that I can't be perfect. But yet you call me to holiness. You call me to fix my eyes upon you. You call me to trust to rest in the things of Christ. And yes, in our mistakes, in our weaknesses, you call us to learn and you remind us that yet you are present. You don't abandon us. You are there for us, caring for us, sustaining us. Remind us of these things, Lord, that we can find forgiveness we can find the care that we need. We can find the grace that we don't deserve, but yet you give to us in your hand and in your care and in your rest. Remind us of these things, Lord. When we face the struggle, remind us that you are there. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.